Mark Hoover is the Afternoon Drive host and program director for Rock 107. Hoover started with the radio station in 1998, working in the promotions department and as a weekend warrior. Before we start, Mark, I have to ask you, am I the only person on the planet that calls you Mark? I feel like everybody in the world calls you Hoover. Uh, there's a couple of people who still call me Mark, but for the majority, Hoover. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to switch into my Hoover mode here because I, I, I when I see you around man I was, I was calling you Mark and I'm thinking maybe me your wife and your mom uh, might be the only people calling you uh, Mark. I, I asked you to join me today because Rock 107 quietly made a little bit of news yesterday that began with a simple social media post about the station celebrating its birthday. So we're up to what forty. Three years. 43, according to how they started counting years ago. Uh, Bill Lynott said it's more like 50-some. Okay, uh, so he's going back to the FM 107 correct, days. yes. But the night we turned into Rock 107 was February 20th. 1980, 7 p.m., Rush yep. Spirit of Radio. I was a kid in high school listening when the song came on, and my thought was, what the hell just happened, and everything else is history. I, I get a lot of people who tell me they, they were listening at the time, and they had the automation memorized. Uh, how, how the songs came over in order every day because it was the same automation tapes when it was FM 107. And then when Spirit of Radio came on, they're like, wait, th- this isn't part of the like the script or the, or the automation. And then another song came on and like, wait, this is something completely different. Th- th- this isn't what I've been used to hearing the last six, seven months. That's exactly what I experienced. And, I, and I'll tell you, it was me and a buddy of mine, a kid I grew up with. Uh, we're, we're still friends to this day. His name was uh, Bill Brock. Um, we were both listening. We were just like, what just happened? And, you know, it was uh, it was cool. And and I guess you could say the, the rest is history. So you guys did a little social media post yesterday about your 43rd birthday. And uh, it wasn't long before people started asking about the world-famous Rock 107 birthday bash, and they wanted to know uh, who was going to be playing this year's bash. It's an event that hasn't taken place since 2019 due to the COVID-19 pandemic, but quietly and probably sadly, and maybe even a little reluctantly, you responded with some of the, you responded to some of the listeners by telling them that the birthday bash may never return. And, And I know a lot has changed in a few years, but Give us a look under the hood with that and how the pandemic claimed yet another victim. And this isn't one we kind of didn't see coming. I, I have to imagine it mostly evolves around huge cost increases and liability, things like that. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, mostly, uh, well, A, we lost our venue. You, you, you know, it, it made the news that the Woodland sold uh, the Cornfelds who had it for, you know, two generations. Uh, you know, there's new owners down there. Uh, the model of, of the birthday bash uh, us giving away free tickets, which is amazing that any radio station in the history of the planet ever pulled that off, uh, you know, doing a yearly free concert. But, uh, you know, everything changed. The logistics of bands uh, that, that that we play, you know, mostly do fly-ins now. Uh, they want more. They want a lot more money. Uh, in most cases, 100 to 150% more than what they were getting. And, you know, the prices of production went up and, you know— uh, the world changed. Uh, I mean, even look at your concert tickets. You know, uh, the big headlines in the in the Times Tribune and Citizens Voice the last couple of months. Taylor Swift concerts going. You know, tickets through the roof. Bruce Springsteen tickets going through the roof. These artists are charging a lot of money for shows. 
Uh, you know, I think one of the main reasons, I think it all goes back to, uh, you know, we get their music now for free on Spotify and so many streaming services, YouTube, that this is their only way to make income now. And you had mentioned that these are bands that are not typically on, you know, long or elongated tours. They, you know, they fly in, they do a show here, they do a show there. They kind of cherry pick their their sweet spots where they want to go. So it's not like, you know, we're grabbing a band that's maybe in Philly one night, New York the next, and we grab them on a, you know, a Thursday night and, and, and stick them in Wilkesbury. That's not really, you know, it's not really how we got bands. Um, like you said, they're kind of like fly-in bands now. So that, that makes the list shorter. Uh, it makes the, the cost go up. So we'll never say never, but it's a, a pretty big hole to dig out of. No more Rock 107 birthday bash. Um, again, we'll never say never, but what's the listener reaction, Ben? Uh, I mean, we haven't been broadcasting the fact that it's not happening. You know, uh, again, that never say never. Maybe, you know, Next week or the week after, something will drop in our lap and be like, "Wow, we, we could we could pull this off. We can make this happen." Uh, you know, we found a partner, or we found a new venue, or or, or something to that effect. That hey, we're going to pull it off. So I mean, never say never. Yeah. All right. So the the bash has been around in one form or another for for decades. And early on, I if I remember correctly, early on it consisted mostly of local bands, um, and maybe some of the bigger local or regional bands. But after a few years, we began bringing in national headliners. Talk a little bit about how that party evolved over the years. Well, uh, you know, I stepped in where it was already pretty much established for a couple of years. Uh, you know, the, you know, the, I think 1990 was the first one. I'm not looking at the list you have in front of you, but I think Rick Derringer, am I right? Rick Derringer was, yeah, that, you got it. Yeah. That's the first, so, uh, that, and that I, was the first big act, but for years before that, we had, you know, smaller quest and uh-huh. Archangel and, you know, some of the local bands, uh, played, but that was the first, I believe the first year we had with a big national act. Uh, so, so the radio station started doing this party first couple of years, I believe we were at the Woodlands and then it went to Genetti's for a couple of years mm-hmm. and then it came, came back to the Woodlands. And uh, I think my first birthday bash, uh, well, as a listener, uh, I'm, I'm going to say was the 18th with uh, with uh, Foghat. Foghat. And then uh, the next year, I, I was an employee here, and we had Nazareth and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I even remember some of those bands, and, uh, you know, I'm not going to name names, but some of those early bands in the late 90s, early 2000s, you know, they were coming into playing these bashes for like, you know, 1500, 2000, uh, bucks. And, uh, you know, some, some of the acts that we, we had then, some of them right now are in like the thirties or forties to, to come in and do a show. Say that again. They're, they're in their thirties and $40,000 range Yeah, to do yeah. a show. Now. So yeah. 30, 30, 40,000 bucks for a, you know, we're asking them to do maybe an hour right yeah. down in, in Wilkes-Barre. And, um, yeah, so that's, that's, uh, that's a big challenge. That's a, that's a lot of cash to put out for, uh, you know, one night, small show, a show we're not charging admission for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, I, I don't think people realize, uh, you know, what goes into that. Now, when you guys would promote the show, that was always the delicate balance, right? Because you, you always wanted to fill the place. So you would give away a few more tickets than the place would hold, right? Yes. A- and at some point, the place would fill and... Yeah, there there was a couple of years where, where uh, we had a line at the door. We're waiting for people to leave before more, more people could shuffle in. We, you know, uh, Joan Jett was one of those years. Uh, Quiet Riot was one of those years as well. 
we could sit here for hours and go off about the the pandemic uh, pandemic shuttering the bash. Uh, instead, I thought it would be cooler if we kind of celebrated the Rock 107 birthday bash a bit with uh, some discussion about highs, lows, memorable moments, things like that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, press your memory here and and see what you remember and and see what you can actually or are willing to uh, share with me. Uh, so I'm looking over this list of performers over the years, and and I just want to I'm not gonna go through the whole list. I'll put the the list in the description in the podcast, but it's a pretty significant list of artists that include Eddie Money, Joan Jett, Todd Rundgren, Blue Easter Cult, Loverboy, Quiet Riot, The Fix, uh, so many more. So of the ones you saw, who was your favorite? Uh, definitely by far Quiet Riot. Hands down. Yeah. Your favorite. Yeah. Now you were always a metal guy. So uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they, they had the inside track and you weren't around for kicks. That was a prospector one. Yeah. Right? That and was... that's, that's one of his all time favorite bands. So yeah. I, I remember imagine... that. But then again, that might have been in the area when he was fired. So what was that, 92? <laughs> Before we rehired yeah, him, right? he may or may not have been here. Uh, his ears are going to be burning when he hears this. Um, so who do you think the fan favorite was over the years? Who? Uh, we're actually doing a top 20 countdown right now uh, at uh, lunchtime this month. We do a top 20 poll, and, you know, top 20 uh, albums of the 70s, top 20 lead bass players and stuff like that. This month, we decided to do everybody's favorite uh birthday bash acts uh, of the past and um, I'm going to look to see where some of the vo- uh, the countdown is right now so we reveal a different act every day so this is voting yeah this is voting and then then when the month starts we start counting it down on the radio uh, so- okay so before you look at the votes tell me just your gut feeling of who you think just based on crowd reaction listener reaction feedback how hard it was to get a ticket what, what do you think that show yeah, was Eddie Money Eddie Money really yeah. a two time yeah, I was going to ask you, you know, we had a couple of uh, two-timers that that showed up. Uh, while you're looking up those votes, we had uh, Eddie Money, Foghat, Blue Asher Cult were the two-time, mm-hmm. two-timers. We give them a watch or anything or a plaque? No, I don't know. <laughs> I think we were waiting to see if that happened the third time. <laughs> so what are the fans uh, telling us now? What? What? Um, so the, you guys are taking vote. You're, you're taking votes on who the fans thought the best yes. birthday bash was. And can you give us a sneak peek at the leaders, or are we, are we uh, blowing this for you on the air? No, not at all, because, uh, you know, we add them to the website daily as we count them, uh, count them down. So number 20 is uh, Edgar Winter. He played our uh, 25th. Uh, Great White was number 15. Uh, the Fix was number 14. Uh, Todd Runger was number 12, which was surprising, because that was one of our least attended birthday bashes. But the people who went to that one were must, out of their minds. Yeah, must have it. loved it. They loved yeah. him. So we got Foghat at number nine, Lita Ford at number seven, Quiet Ride at six. So that, that's currently as we record this podcast, we're okay. right in the countdown. Yeah, interesting. What do you think the biggest crowd we had was? It, we always kept count at the door. And it was Quiet Riot was our biggest cover. Quiet Riot. Yeah. I got to imagine Joan Jett was up there. She was, but it was uh, about 200 tickets behind. Really? Yeah. I, I, I remember the buzz of, of, uh, of folks when Joan Jett came in because everybody wanted an interview with her. And I think she was a tough interview to get. Um, I know a lot of people wanted to see that show. For some reason, I'm not remembering uh, the, the reaction to Quiet Riot. I, I, I know they were popular and everybody wanted to see them. Uh, but I just remember there being a, a certain buzz about... Joan Jett. How about a clunker? Did we have anyone that bombed that just, just you know, either just wasn't a great show or just maybe, in your opinion, mailed it in? You're going to be a nice guy here because you're afraid someone's going to uh, hear it and you're, you don't want uh, Edgar Winter to get mad at you. No. <laughs> uh, I actually, Edgar Winter is, I, I think he's a fantastic artist. Uh, I 
saw him the summer before up at the Pocado Biker Mountain Rally uh, that they used to have up in uh, Big Boulder, Jack Frost, back in the day. And I was impressed that he played every instrument on stage, saxophone, keyboards, drums, guitar, bass. Oh, really? I yeah, didn't know. I'm like, wow, this guy's pretty good. Uh, that was actually a pretty good bash. I think, uh, not as far as clunkers, but just didn't fit the vibe because it, it, it was never a concert. It was more of a party. Right. Uh, I mean, there was never any seats. It was, you know, two gigantic bars running down, a gigantic birthday cake, balloons galore, uh, fabulous Thunderbirds, who I thought put on a fantastic show. And I, I like those guys a lot, but I, I just don't think they fit the vibe of what the birthday bash became over the years. They would be more of a place, a band you would see in a, in a intimate setting, but more of a, of a concert setting yeah. where you could sit there and enjoy them. And the birthday bash is a legendary, just tear it up, you know, I, madhouse. I don't know if I'm doing it justice. Yeah, but. well, I, I remember the, the one year, uh, our, our program director at the time, uh, he, he's like, hey, let's, let's book Greg Lake. And I'm like, I love ELP. And I'm like, just not the setting for Greg Lake. And he was doing like a half acoustic, half electric show. I'm like, I don't, just don't think that's going to fit. I think people are going to be like, I've got all these great, amazing opening acts. And, you know, the, you know, the cake is flying, the, the beer's flowing. And, you know, here comes Greg with an acoustic guitar. <laughs> you just knew it wasn't going to yeah. be a good fit. Yeah. So, I, you know, full disclosure here, many, many years ago, I was uh, uh, a member of the Rock 107 team. I'm a, I'm a proud uh, alumni of Rock 107 uh, from 1985 to 1995. And, and I had what I felt was a little bit of a dust up with George Thorogood. Uh, I was supposed to do an interview with him and, and I thought he acted like an ass and we just, uh, it, we just didn't click and it was just a, a crappy interview. That's everybody, by the way. Right. <laughs> He's one of the toughest interviews I've ever done. But I thought he would have always been a great birthday party guest. And I asked you about him once. I thought, man, he was just perfect. He was, you know, the right size and everything. But, but you had told me that you didn't think he was a great fit and you want to let us in on the, the, Dirty little secret of why? I always heard and that he always had a ghost guitar player. Right, because you're getting older. You're getting older, maybe. Uh, on the side of the stage, if you don't think about the birthday bash, all we had was the you know, the business show pipe and drape hide in the backstage area with so a couple of really security. nowhere to hide that ghost guitar player. Yeah. So George would have to be out there doing the whole thing. And if, you know, he's listening and he's not, yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, and he hears this and he wants to argue with us, maybe he can be the guy that helps resurrect the uh, birthday party. But I remember asking you about him once and I thought, man, he was such a jerk in the interview, but I always thought he would have made a, a great uh, birthday bash guest. So how about best bands to work with? Did you have any that really stuck out as, man, these guys are cool. I'd love to be able to work with these guys again or have them around, do something else? Well, I you know, I, I thought a lot of them were, were great to work with. I'm trying to think of the best. I, I remember Lita Ford's people were really easy uh, to work with, uh, even though I had a snafu with them, which started off the relationship horribly. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you that really quick. Yeah, I had, snafu. I, we want to hear all about it. I had it. it all arranged for the uh, Woodlands to go pick up uh, Lita Ford at the airport. I guess they came into Avoca early. Like almost like by an hour. Oh, ac really? According to what the the uh, sheet we had in the history of air travel, that's never happened. Yeah, that so. never happened. So right. Avoca <laughs> could pat themselves on the back. <laughs> yeah. The one hour they were early could take away from the hours and hours they've always been late. So uh, you remember Danger Boy, correct? Yep. 
he was working the car rental place up at uh, up at the uh, airport. For, for those who don't remember, Danger Boy was uh, a character uh, who was part of the Daniels and Webster morning show. And uh, we used to have him run errands and do stuff for us. But at that time, you said he was his, his real gig, his, his money-paying job, yeah. was uh, working at the airport. Yeah, so he's working at the airport in the car rental place. And, he, and here's this guy with a British accent. And the tour manager's name was Pilgrim for Lita Ford. And I guess he's trying to go through all his paperwork trying to find my cell phone. And he's screaming my name with curses and stuff in the middle of the airport. So Danger Boy calls me. He's like, uh, were you supposed to pick up Lita Ford at the airport? I said, no, in about 45 minutes, the Woodlands have a bus going up. Well, they're here now. <laughs> they're here and they're fuming. Yeah. So I, I called the Woodlands and they're like, oh, yeah, the, the shuttle actually just left to go pick them up. So I actually got a hold of Pilgrim's phone number and I just texted him. I'm like, hey, let me know when you land. The, the car is running early, so it should be there when you guys land at blah, blah, blah. Right. And then my phone rang. We're already here and we're already waiting. I'm like, well, according to paperwork, you sent me your flight lands at, say, 8 o'clock. And I said, it's only 725, so you guys are early. So that's the day before the show? Yeah, that's the day before day the show. Day before the show. Yeah. Did Lita come up here and do a little performance? She did. She worked so hard for us that day. So she came early afternoon. She played in the Rock. She played in the Rock 107 Radio Theater. She did like four or five songs. You could find them all on YouTube. And then later that afternoon, uh, we did a meet and greet with her at the casino. You know, we expected like eh, maybe maybe 50, 60 people to show up. It was an hour long. Hey, come between four and five and meet Lita Ford. There had to be 300 people in line. And she's like, I'll meet them all. Really? I'll meet them all. And they all came through. She was signing stuff, taking pictures. She was... She's, she was a champ of it all. You know, she got back, you know, we got back to the Woodlands that night. She's talking about what a great time she did, you know, at the at the radio station. And, you know, here she is. She's about to actually go to work again in just, you know, like an hour, hour and a half and then put on a great performance that night at the birthday bash. You can't ask more than that. I mean, yeah. if you're a fan and she's willing to stay there and, and sign every autograph there for anybody who showed up, yeah, that, that's pretty cool. So who was, give us some inside stuff here. Who was who the worst to work with? Who, who, when they walked out the door, you said, never again, I don't care if this guy is paying us to be here. It was really tough working with the uh, the guys from Mountain uh, because they, they travel two sets of man, two sets of management and Corky Lang and uh, so Mount Leslie West's yeah. crew was so, so Leslie West and Corky Lang had two separate management traveling and they refused to talk to each other. Nice. Even at the end of the night, we had to pay them separately in separate rooms. <laughs> and there was rock a, and roll th thing. There was a non-disclosure about what <laughs> either one was getting paid. So you had to pay them separately in separate rooms, and neither could know what the other was making. Yes. And and you don't have to give us the price, but can you tell us, was it the same? Leslie had to get more, Yeah, right? Leslie was definitely getting more. That's wild. That's that's yeah. so funny. So I've been digging around a little bit. Uh, since you agreed to, to do this, I've been asking around uh, the company for uh, anybody who could give me some kind of dirt or scoop that we could uh, pour out on this podcast about – the Rock 107 birthday bash. And I was told today about our infamous run-in with Eddie Money. Are you familiar with this in the accounting department? Uh, I don't know about the accounting department. Okay. I don't know which performance it was, the first one or the second one, but I get this right from our you know, head of accounting. So, so I know it's legit. So before the day of the show, the day of the show, Eddie's people... Somehow, I, whether it's through the woodlands or directly in contact with the radio station, they decide 
they want 5000 bucks cash up front. They don't want to wait for the check at the end of the night. They'll take the balance of what we owe Eddie at the end of the night, but Eddie wants $5,000 cash delivered to him. This is at 4.30. In, you're looking at me like you have never heard this before. No, I haven't. Yeah. So 4.30 in the afternoon, our accounting department gets a phone call and we've got to take $5,000 in cash down to the woodlands and Tony in accounting uh, gets the job. We write him a, a cashier's check or get him a check. He's got to go to uh, a bank. He's got to get 5,000 bucks. He's got to drive it to Wilkesbury and he's got to show up uh, to the part of the hotel that Eddie Money's folks were staying at and hand him $5,000. They had to count it out. They wrote a receipt. He had to bring the receipt back. Yeah. So when I heard that, I was like, I don't know if the guys from the radio station knew about that one. 5,000 bucks cash. You can pay us the rest in, in uh, a check at the end of the night, but up front, I don't know what Eddie had going on but he needed he needed cash up front that night he wasn't waiting for the check yeah that was always one of my recurring nightmares believe it or not was was like having a dream and be like oh i'm at i'm at the and i forgot the check or i forgot to request a check at the end of the night yeah and yeah. good luck uh you know 10 o'clock at night everybody's having a fun time everybody's uh got a few cocktails uh you're not getting anybody to drive down to Wilkesbury with with a check, so yeah. <laughs> I can I can see why that would be uh, a nightmare. Well, all the settlements had a small cash portion to it. They always wanted some cash to right. do some spending. You know, so maybe uh, either we didn't get Eddie's amount right or whatever. You know, the the accounting department just knew that for whatever reason they had to deliver five thousand dollars in cash to Eddie uh, before the event. And uh, and the, and the guy from accounting, Tony, uh, he was he was kind of mad because he only got to meet Eddie's manager. He didn't. Hmm. He, he got to deliver the cash, but never got to meet Eddie. And I, the little bit I knew of Eddie. He wasn't the kind of guy that was going to say no to meeting you. He was, yeah. You know, he was, uh, he, you know, pretty cool. The Bash always had a reputation for being a pretty wild party. And you mentioned that earlier. It was less of a concert and more of a party. And that was kind of always its intent. We always wanted people to have a good time and, and hear good music. But it was a party. And people acted like it was a party while they were there. Can you tell me about some of the craziest things you remember or that you're able to repeat that that occurred uh, at the party, maybe around the party, during the party, maybe something that just uh, got your attention? I, I know you're you're going through your mind thinking right now, what what can I say and what can I not say? And, and you don't have to mention names, uh, but, it, you know, just uh, anything that struck you as, wow, man, this is this is rock and roll. Well, one of the one of the early bashes I was at. You know, Tony Pollock here, one of the yep. early creators of the bash. And you always had that party room with the bathtub with all the beer in it. And uh, I, I do remember the, the year the beer ran out, Mr. Webster uh, called the front desk and ordered room service, like 10 cases of, of beer. Oh, and it was a, and, probably and, only 10 bucks a beer and, you know, 24 yeah. in a case. Yeah. <laughs> $250 and, case yeah, like of two, beer, Two right? bottles of whiskey and uh, it came up to the room and he, he gets it. And he I still remember putting on the table and signing it, Tony Policare. <laughs> you signed the and, other guy's name. And the bill was <laughs> almost two grand. Wow. You know, for the room service of the beer to come up. And uh, that was like that, oh, wow, that you know, that, that early rock star moment for me, like, Wow, look at this guy. He, you know, he's probably not going to get in trouble tomorrow for this. Yeah, uh, the guy, the guy's name on the bill is the guy who uh, gets in trouble. Yeah, uh, I, I think the morning guys at that time um, had a little bit of wiggle room, a little bit of leeway as to what they could and couldn't get away with. So that probably fell, you know, under that. Eh, 
we'll let him get away with it. But somebody somewhere was coughing up the, yeah. the two grand. Oh, it definitely that, got paid for. For that beer bill. Who's the band that got away? Who's the who's the band that you always wanted to get, uh, but for one reason or another just couldn't book? Maybe it was timing. Maybe it was money, whatever. You must have had a few that, that were on your dream list. Yeah, I, I, I remember one uh, that I was... I, it was the one I looked at first every single year. Uh, I always thought they'd be a great bash band was Golden Earring. Oh, yeah. And uh, they got to the point where they never wanted to leave Europe. They're like, yeah, we're not doing any U.S. tours. We're not doing any U.S. tours. And there, there'd be rumors that that was going to happen. And then it wouldn't happen. There was always, I'm trying to think of some bands that were really, really close uh, of, of, of getting signed and stuff that, that just never worked out. They're just not, not coming to the top of my mind right now. But, you know, when we're done, it's going to. And I'm gonna, <laughs> yeah, okay. we'll, we'll paste it in later. I'll have to put it in the comments section underneath. Any bands you um, regret booking? Uh, I, think they, I think most of them for the, you know, worked out fantastic. Uh, no, I, you know, I, I think everyone had their own special moment, you know. I mean, there was the ones I didn't enjoy, like Todd Rundgren was way before, you know, I, I was – you know, just, uh, you know, I was full time here, but I wasn't in management or anything else like that. I never had anything to book that with, but it was disappointing that night to see him not do any hits that evening. Todd Grungren plays no hits. He doesn't do any of the, you know, play on my ukulele all day. He did at the end. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I I would imagine the Todd fans probably thought it was a great show but yeah if you weren't a todd fan you were there to hear a couple of the hits um we had a a, a kind of a unique uh, way to manage that party too the headliner was never really the last band right we'd always bring the headliner out at you know maybe midnight or 11 o'clock or something there was always like a, a closing band or a house band there, or there was right? the last couple of years we did change that uh we started slowly moving the the headliner up earlier and earlier and earlier but mostly because artists weren't playing that late anymore. Uh, when I started getting watching, you know, going to concerts, whether it be on the staircase or Tinks back in the day, uh, you know, all the national acts, they all came out at 11, 1130 at night. That's unheard of anymore. You don't see that for any acts. Everybody goes on what? Yeah, nine, yeah, 10 yeah, o'clock, seven, maybe. eight, nine o'clock earlier. Yeah. yeah. Any um, weirdness with the uh, opening bands? We would get some local bands that would would open up, and then and some would close the night. Was there was there a healthy competition with the local bands, kind of jockeying for position? You no, know, maybe somebody didn't want to be the first band or the last band. How how did that all work out? I mean, we we had some, you know, nothing that was ever really broadcast on social media or anything, but we had some some tension sometimes. Uh, with bands back and forth being jealous of, of who's playing where and, and, and stuff like that. But for, you know, uh, pretty much, I mean, I, I thought all the, all the local artists did a, a fantastic job and, you know, I, I never really, really had any problems. Uh, the one year, uh, I think it was the 30th anniversary. Uh, there was a, uh, a function going on in the, in the, the, the other half of the woodlands and it was a state police, seminar that went hours and hours <laughs> over they were supposed to be out of the room by two o'clock because it took about four hours to get that room ready and that was where the main stage was we actually had to cancel the first band that was going on that stage because we weren't ready yet the doors open and we still didn't have that stage up yet because that that earlier function ran so late it's almost like a scene out of like the Blues Brothers or something where there's like a state police convention next door and you guys are trying to put on a rock concert yeah. and, you know, or, or a rock and roll can you imagine, uh, party. Can you imagine kicking them out early? They would have been back later that night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was, there was there was no booting that crew out. Yeah. 
How about this? Uh, I, I'm putting you on the spot here. I don't know if, if you can do it, but if you if you give me Hoover's all time top five birthday bash performances, your personal ones. Uh, this is unconnected to the voters, unconnected to the the public. Your favorite five. I've, I've got the list here. If you need to, all right. I, I think uh, number one would probably be Quiet Riot, uh, followed by uh, Lita Ford, followed by Eddie Money. Either time he played, Eddie just puts on a great show, and he's just got so many hits. Well, he had so many hits. Uh, and then we're probably going to go with uh, The Sweet, which I was always a big fan of. And it, it was just nice to, you know, because we always spiked in those songs before the bash would happen. It was just nice hearing all those old sweet songs that I remember you guys playing in the 80s sure. and 90s come back on the radio. If they just showed up and played Desolation Boulevard, <laughs> if they just played that whole album, I, you know, the place would have went would would have went crazy. And then the, the year we had Loverboy. I think that was a really, really good show. Loverboy was a good show. Yeah. I was never a big Loverboy fan, but uh, I could see the, the the fans really loving that one. So we talked a little bit about famous um, famous moments or, or well, not I guess it's infamous moments from the birthday bash. But what else stands out over the years, uh, whether it be, you know, the listeners who showed up or the bands that performed like you've got to have some some memories to kind of tie them all together. I mean, it was it's a great party. It's a big party. It's a party that we're, we're sad to see uh, go. Maybe, you know, some of your, some of your fondest memories. That- My favorite memories were actually the ticket blitzes uh, showing up at locations with a stack of tickets and saying, hey, you know, we've got 107, you know, come get them while, while we have them. You know, pulling into somewhere like Motor World or, or, or pulling on Kingston Corners or, you know, the Wawa and Blakesley and you, you pull in and there's a line of people waiting for you. And you guys would do some off the beaten path spots yes. too. I mean, you'd be like, you know, Hamlin Corners or something, you know, and, and you don't necessarily know who's going to show up, but you always had crowds there waiting for that. Yeah, absolutely. For a free ticket. And you guys did it right too. It wasn't, you know, like a piece of paper with some guy's name written on it. You know, you printed up nice, nice tickets that were, you know, I, I guess you could say they were keepsakes in a sense. I mean, you had the you know, nice graphics and, uh, you know, pictures of the bands and, you know, everything uh, looked good. Um, I don't know if we touched on this. You said that, you know, the, the Woodlands changed uh owners and and so that took the venue out of the mix but even if we wanted to bring the bash back do we have a facility that that can hold the the size of the crowd or or the way we want to set that up i mean i would assume there's there's a few facilities in northeast pa that can handle that so but, you needed what maybe two thousand yeah people? i mean i mean I, I could think of a few different rooms off the top of my head that, that could handle it okay so there was a big thing but, in the paper about the friendly sons moving down to wilkesbury because there's no more genetti's they needed about two thousand seats and there was no two thousand seat venue in lackawanna county now maybe it's different with seats and standing room you know i'm not i'm not sure but uh I, that puts us back into luzerne county and um i'm not sure what's what's out there that that can hold that you know that kind of a crowd that kind of a parking i don't know if mohegan has anything like that yeah, i mean they definitely have the room for it. you know a lot of behind the scenes stuff you know mitch down at the woodlands he was a go-getter he was a he knew marketing he knew what it took to get people into his building, and uh, he knew that the birthday bash made money for him. And they so, liked having so us he down was, there. So he was more of a partner than he was a venue, if that makes sense. So, uh, yeah, so they liked having the, the, the bash, and that was, you know, it, it was a big deal for them. But they didn't skip a beat, if I remember correctly. So we'd have the bash in, in the ballroom, but they still would have the 25th hour going. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they went about business oh, stream, like it was— Streamside was rolling downstairs, and, 
you know, the restaurants were packed. The hotel was always sold out that evening. And, you know, his, his chef's back back in the kitchen always put put that gigantic cake out every year with the Rockwell 7 logo on it. Right. And there was there used to always be a buffet. At some point, did we say to ourselves, we don't need a buffet? When, when Did the buffet ever go away? We did. The last couple of years, <laughs> it had to go away because... Uh, you needed the, the room? Well, no, the... <laughs> The rest, the restaurant that was ha- that that was handling that in there flipped. It became a hibachi down there. So that port, that portion of the kitchen that did that for us was gone. That'd be a wild scene, man. Hibachi for two thousand uh, <laughs> yeah. people. I, I I don't know that anyone. Maybe uh, sushi even better. I don't know that. Yeah, I don't know that anyone can pull that off. And I'm not sure. I I, I would have trusted uh, the 2,000 uh, uh, loyal Rock 107 listeners who who showed up and uh, had a few that night to uh, also be uh, digging deep into sushi and hibachi. That might might not have been a great it, it'd mix. It'd be even funnier if all we had was chopsticks. So, <laughs> so as an employee, I, I do remember this. Uh, there was always a little bit of uh, back and forth about who had to work the night of the birthday party and who had to work the next day. If so, if you were a, a, a DJ or a jock at Rock 107, uh, that was kind of a thing because you didn't want to have to be in here at six o'clock the next morning. You also didn't want to be here on the air while the party was going on. So so behind the scenes at Rock 107, how did you guys ever figure that out? Well, it helped for years and years that Mike Evans volunteered. So okay, so Mike, who still comes around, yeah. by the way, right? And and so he would, Mike actually just volunteered to do what both uh, the night well, shift in the morning. Well, show? when he was part of the morning show, he always did the morning show regardless the next day because Mike was the automatic fill in for DNW. Uh, but when he moved out of that position, he was like, "Yeah, I don't need to be there." But he would always give me a stack of vinyl. He's like, oh, Eddie, money's coming to town. Get these signed for me. I was going to ask you that. You know, that had to be a big uh, uh, a give for Mike because he's a fanatic about uh, his his record collection and, and his autograph collection. So uh, I didn't know that about Mike, that that he wasn't going to the party. Because my next question was going to be, well, who got him the autograph? So so he'd give you a stack and, yeah. and you take care of it. And he trusted you, man, because <laughs> oh, they were all wrapped in plastic, you know. Like I, I didn't, I usually it was good because I had to go in and settle with the band uh, right before they went on stage. So when they would come in, I, you know, I'd have a check for them. Oh, by the way, can you sign these? And a lot of times, Mike would give me quite a bit of albums to get signed. So you, uh, on a personal note, so you, uh, you spent some time in the army, um, and, you know, maybe went to school, whatever. But you're a young man when you start working at rock 107 and it wasn't, you know, it, your early jobs here, uh, in addition to, you know, working weekends, were working promotions and, and that's a big gig. You know, like you said, you're out, uh, passing out tickets and prizes and, and hosting the events. Um, but now you're working the scene at the, uh, birthday bash and that had to be pretty wild. That had to be pretty cool for a, a young guy. You, you had to think like, Man, I, I kind of arrived. This is rock and roll. Yeah, well, it helped too because uh, you know I remember having to chase Rock One Hundred Seven around myself as a listener to get birthday bash tickets, and it was it was nice when it's like, oh, I got my own stack of tickets, I, I'm ready to go. You know, I'd and then I'd have them for friends. You know, like, hey, here's here's your birthday bash tickets. All right, la- last uh, couple of questions here. This a little less related to the bash and a little bit more about you because you touched on it, but. The radio station's in good hands. Rock 107 is is in good hands because you're a fan of this place. You 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 know you you're like me. I was a kid. 
you know, I, I, I heard, you know, rock 107. I was like, Oh man, that's, that's what I want to do. And it's not terribly different for you. Right. You used to listen to the station and all of a sudden you're here. Yeah. I mean, I grew up a huge fan. I, you know, I, I remember how tough it was getting a rock 107 license plate. I remember my brother had one on his Ford Ranger and, uh, he sold it and forgot to take the license plate off. And for days he, he was thinking about, it's like, I know the guy who bought it. If I just sneak up into his driveway at night and take the license plate (laughs) off. Now let's date your brother a little bit. Did he have a plastic plate or did he have an old metal plate? I had one of the old metal plates. Oh man. Yeah. So there's that he, he never got it back. Did he? No, No, you guys have the most loyal listener base out there. I mean, your listeners just love you. And I remember a photo that was flying around a, a couple of years ago, and it was the guys, help me out here, because you're an Army vet, so uh, where were they stationed? There was a bunch of guys that were stationed overseas somewhere, and they sent us the photo of, of them. And I don't know if they were deployed in Iraq or Afghanistan, but... Uh, they, they were over in Iraq, and that was a lot of the guys from uh, the Pennsylvania National Guard, uh, my old unit, most of the guys from the West Pittston Armory, which is uh, defunct now, but they just wanted some stuff from home. And, you know, I was corresponding with quite a bit of them uh, while it was going on, uh, snail mail. And we decided to, to send out a care package. So we sent some shirts and some banners and uh, some uh, some CDs and stuff for them to listen over there. And uh, the next letter I got back from them was the, the picture of them with the Humvee and over in Iraq and the Rock 107 banner. Ah, that's cool. We're global, man. Yeah. <laughs> They're listening. We're we're on the front lines with uh, the the guys from uh, you know from just down in the Wyoming Valley. You have to be a little melancholy, a little sad or disappointed to uh, to see it go. Again, we'll never say never, but it it is a little bit of an end of an era here in Northeast Pennsylvania with with no more Rock 107 birthday bash. I know a lot of people would mark their calendars for it. It was always maybe, what, April? It was, it, it, we try to always keep it on Holy Thursday. And there was nothing holy about it. No. <laughs> but are you, are you, you have to be a little uh, sad to see it go. I, I, I am. It, it was a lot of work, but I enjoyed every bit of putting it on. I always enjoyed the excitement of of the local bands getting excited that uh you know i, I remember a, a couple of years ago we had uh one of the bands that were playing their first bash and they actually did like a live facebook as we were making the announcement in the morning about who the headliners was going to be and all the the local acts that were opening up so as, as i'm listening to our station for the announcement i'm also watching facebook live because this band is just so excited that they're playing and uh, having the opportunity to share a stage with a national act. I mean, some of that stuff is just really, really cool. Yeah, and, you know, if you're a local band, you don't really get that opportunity. So, you know, it's it's in your hometown. It's in front of your home crowd. Uh, it's a friendly audience. And the next guy who's going to walk out on stage when you're done is, you know, Eddie Money or Quiet Riot or, you know, The Romantics or, you know, pick your poison. Any, yeah. any one of those bands had to be a cool deal. So uh, what's next? The, the, so no more birthday bash. I know you guys have to be brainstorming, though. There's There's got to be. I'm not going to ask you to give anything away, but you have to be up here thinking like, all right, what do we what do we do? It's it's a it's a big event. It, you know, annually we talk about, you know, the age of the radio station, so to speak, uh, which kind of coincides with, you know, in some ways with the age of the audience. You've got people who've been listening uh, for decades. You've got new listeners. You've got younger listeners. So that, you know, that changes. But there are a a large group of people who 
this party has been going on as long as they can remember. So is that a big challenge for the radio station to try to find some way to uh, to not necessarily replace the the event, but come up with something that um, is a bit of a bit of a give back for the for the listeners? I mean, we're always looking for for ways to to do things and change things. Uh, you know, we're not going to stop. You know, doing concerts totally. I mean, we have, uh, you know, last year we did do the Rock 107 anniversary show. The we big, big one with Alice yeah, Cooper. Yeah, with Alice and... Cooper. We celebrated 42 years. Uh, that was down the arena. You know, not the same model of anything. Uh, you know, in the last couple of years we've done, you know, stuff with Sticks and REO up at Montage. And there's talks about doing maybe another show this summer up at Montage. Uh, similar where we where we could help with the uh, the mountain and make the tickets as inexpensive as possible for people. You know, to bring an artist in in Northeast PA. Cool. I, I always thought, I'll, I'll close on this. We've got a 200-seat auditorium here on the fifth floor of this building. And I tell anyone who will listen to me, it is the most underused space in all of downtown Scranton and arguably any little slice of Northeastern Pennsylvania. Man, how cool would it be if we could get some bands back up here? I mean, you, we mentioned Lita Ford earlier, but many years before that, we had the Hooters up here. And you probably remember or know more than I do how many bands uh, we've had up here over the years. And I know it's a tough ask for the bands because they kind of have to pair everything down. It's a really small crowd. It's it's hard for us to to manage. But has, has there been any talk about that over the years of trying to resurrect that a little bit? Uh, well, for a long time, our sister station, 92.1, was bringing them in almost weekly. Uh, but uh, that was with a lot of help of the record labels, and that station played 90% new music, and it was like a given. You know, these uh, these bands were on a radio station tour. They were they were doing this kind of thing, and that's they were coming in to, propo- to, you know, to promote new albums. That's why that was utilized so much, you know, be- before that, that changed over there, but... Uh, we invite almost every single band to come in and it's like, if you ask a hundred times, you might get a, a, a yes once. I mean, we, we've had people come in who, who play the Kirby or, or who have played montage or uh, the arena who have stepped in there and played, uh, you know, I remember Zach wild being in there. Uh, Queensryche played in there. Tesla played in there. I remember, I remember Tesla. Yeah. 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 We had some, yeah, we had some, yeah, we had some I, good you know, shows. I remember uh, uh, the guys from Dark Star, not Dark Star Orchestra, uh, uh, Warren Haynes played in there. Yeah. And, the, you know, there's been some, 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 some in there, but just not a lot. Mountain played in there before one of the birthday bashes. You know, I, I feel like I'm dating myself by, by what I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a lot of, I can, but so much of it that I can't. And I'm thinking, man, I think that just means I'm an old guy now. I don't, I don't remember all that stuff. Hoover, Mark, I, I appreciate you coming on, uh, and telling us a, a little bit about this news. Cause I, I felt like when I saw the social media post, I thought, you know what, man, we, we can't let this thing just go and let it be a social media post. We have to, you know, kind of put it out there to the world a little bit and talk about it a little bit because uh, it really was it, it really was a big event. It was one that people looked forward to. It was one that people marked their calendars for. Yeah, and I just thought that, you know, we, we kind of owed uh, maybe the listeners and, and uh, you know, the, the fans of this thing, you know, a little bit of a, a I don't know. Postmortem is the right word, but we we needed to we needed to do a little more than uh, just you know kind of say hey we're done with it. Yeah. So three to seven, uh, Rock one hundred and seven in the afternoon. Uh, Hoover, uh, make sure you tune into this guy. He occasionally plays uh, something good. Uh, <laughs> I play all the stuff you played here. <laughs> 
<laughs> 25 years ago. I'm looking at your list of favorite bands because I asked you and I knew what some of them were. So uh, Sabbath, Ozzy, Dio, Motley Crue, and Guns N' Roses do not come as a surprise to me. Neither does your little notation that you think Guns N' Roses is the greatest rock and roll band that ever walked, quote, the face of the planet. You also throw in uh, some guys from Liverpool, uh, John Mellencamp, The Doors, uh, Kiss, Hagar, Pink Floyd, uh, with Roger Waters noted, by the <laughs> way. Uh, you, you make sure to, to qualify that. But I'm looking at that list and I'm thinking, you know, man, I, I don't know if I'm going to tune into Hoover and hear a whole lot of Dio. Just, I, don't, <laughs> I don't think I'm going to get that at three o'clock in the and Occasionally Rainbow in the Dark and Man on the Silver Mountain. When nobody's listening. Yeah. No, well, well nobody, that, nobody that signs your paycheck is listening, <laughs> right? All right. Absolutely. Hoover, man, I, I appreciate you taking the time out uh, to do this and tune into this guy, three to seven, Monday through Friday and then Sunday afternoon, right? Yes, yeah, Sunday afternoon, three to seven. Thanks, Hoover.